So today is a checkpoint day, but not just any kind of checkpoint. We do monthly checkpoints. If you go to monthlycheckpoint.com, for real, you can see each month what's going on in checkpoint land. Checkpoints are critical. Wherever you are, say checkpoints are critical. Checkpoints are actually critical, and I believe that the annual checkpoint is the most critical checkpoint. The reason why is because it's, and it, it's not just because the new year is here. Every single body needs a reset, right? Every single body needs a reset all the time. In fact, in Scripture, very commonly, every new moon, which means every month, they would throw a massive party, a big one. They would set budgets aside for these parties, and they would go, oh, this, you know, that's what happened over the last 30 days or so, and this is what's going to happen over the next, and they're going to celebrate God, and they're going to bring God into what they called the new moon. So what I believe, what we believe, what Amy and I have been standing on for the last couple weeks is this year is going to be a year of hope. So wherever you are, say, this is a year of hope. It's a year of hope. I also believe it's going to be a year of breakthrough. If you've had any resistance in your life, any resistance to the spirit of God, any resistance to actually feeling like you can enter into his presence, I believe that this year you are going to break through into new realms of being in God's presence. I actually believe that. I believe it's true for my life, and I'm already starting to experience it. Um, today, we're going to go through a number of different passages. Some of these, I would say, are the most important passages of Scripture. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen it says, Where there is no vision, the people die. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Another, in the King James Version, it says, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Now, I want you to think about if something's unrestrained. If I have a dog that's unrestrained, it's just going to run wherever it wants to. If I have a child that's unrestrained, it's going to run wherever it wants to. Another word for unrestrained is wanderer. You ever feel like you might just be wandering? And wondering, is there a purpose to it all? Right? Do I have a direction? I, re I recently listened to this old book. It was written in the 1900s, just released about 10 years ago from a, a dude named Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill, I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he was, he was a leader in, in thought leadership. And um, this book that he wrote was called Outwitting the Devil. And it was like a conversation, basically, with the devil that Napoleon Hill was having. And in this conversation, he would ask the devil a question, and then the devil had to give up his secrets. And the devil said that the number one secret that he had is, I just need to make them wander. I just need to make them drifters. Right? I just need to make them not have purpose. I need to make them not have definiteness of purpose. When your purpose is definite, like, oh, I know what I'm here for, then you're going to run on point. You're going to run your, your race to win. There's not going to be anything that's going to step in your way from reaching your destination because you know what your purpose is. Are you tracking with me? Yes. So in the book Wayfinder, which um, Amy and I wrote last year, there's a few copies here just printed on regular paper. That's coming out here in the next couple of months. 
The tagline for the book Wayfinder is, it's a wake-up call for a wandering soul. Being awake is critical. When you're asleep, you can't really make really good decisions. Last night, I was asleep. I thought I heard a dog barking. I got up and I started yelling at Willard, but he was not in the room. He wasn't even there. And I walked over and I even put my hand down. I'm like, whoa, that was just, that was just the footstool. <laughs> it wasn't Willard. Because when you're sleeping, you can't make great decisions. It's really critical to be awake. I also want all of us to remember that God actually really does have purpose and really does have a plan for every single one of us. Right where you're at, say, God has a plan for me. You can set it right there, honey. And if you have, I think I brought a water bottle in here, but I don't know. Anyways. So Jeremiah 29, 11, I see this scripture around people's license plates sometimes. I see this scripture sometimes as tattoos. Go ahead and say Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you. Say, I'm going to prosper. To give you a future and a hope. Say, I have hope. What he's saying is that there's a plan for you to have an expectation of good in your future. Have you ever honestly lost hope? Absolutely. When you lose hope, you literally just don't have any reason to wake up in the morning. You have no purpose. You have no thing to run after. And God's literally saying to each and every one of us, I have a purpose. I have a plan. I want you to prosper. I want you to actually do good. I want you to win. God didn't make a bunch of losers. The losing is us choosing to lose, right? So you got to choose to lose. You got to choose to win. And the Lord is on your side if you want to win. So we'll get to kind of the how behind that. So God knows the plan he has for you, but this is a big but. Say, I got a big but, and I cannot lie. To the other brothers, they can't deny. No, don't say that part. So God has this plan for you. He's got this big plan for you. And you have to ask, seek, and it's super annoying when you hear knocking for a really long time, right? If you heard that at your door for a long time, would you open it? You wouldn't? You'd probably ask your mom, huh, if you could open it. Absolutely. So you're supposed to ask, seek, and knock. Two verses after Jeremiah 29, 11, you find this verse right here. It's Jeremiah 29, 13, because 11 plus 2 is 13. Thank you. You will find me. No, you will search for me. And you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You will search for me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That implicates the fact that you can search for God and not find him. Because you'll search for me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. If you don't search for God with all of your heart, you're not going to find him. It's really critical that you put your entire heart into the search. You ever seen a kindergartner play uh, outfield in t-ball? You know what I'm talking about? It's like 
like they're sitting out there and and then they literally like they like sometimes they'll like kneel down and they'll like pluck grass and then they'll pick flowers. You don't put your best I'm sorry if you were one of these kids. <laughs> but you don't put your best players, your most focused players in T-ball in the outfield. You can put them at left out. You put them out there why? Because they're distracted. They're not focused. They literally chase butterflies. It's critical that you have focus, that you actually put your attention into the game. If you want to play in the game, you got to put your attention on the game. No coach in their right mind is going to play a distracted player. And God's not going to play you if you don't get in the game. I'm sorry. Hate to break it to you, this is not AYSO. Everybody does not get a trophy. You have to run your race to win. You have to. So, before there were phones and Snapchats and TikToks, and way before that, the Pony Express the Pony Express, I'd be like, hey, will you take this note and deliver it to Johnny? And the horse would ride up. And they'd take my note and they'd ride it over to Kernville, drop off the note and be like, hey. You know, it takes a lot longer to send a text message, right? With the Pony Express. Even before there were letters. How is it that you would actually hear from somebody? If you, were, if you didn't have the Pony Express, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, or any of that stuff, if you didn't call them on the phone... How would you hear from them? Not before pigeons. Pigeons weren't even created. I, I don't even know. Before the homing pigeons, you would have to meet with them. You'd have to go see them face to face. This last week, we were going through a few hundred paintings that my grandfather had painted. and Some of them I'd never seen before. I've got the digital copies of all these. One of them he painted of the Lewis and Clark expeditions. And there was this picture of this Indian, say Chickamaugahaya. That was the tribe. So there was this Indian sitting up on this mountain, and he was looking down at Lewis, and they just journeyed for a little while. And he looked, and they're both waving to each other. See, back then, if, if you spent time with somebody and then you said goodbye, it actually was bye. Like, it's not like, hey, I'll FaceTime you later. The only way that you're going to actually hear directly from God and not like from God through Neil or from God through YouTube or any of that is you got to hear from God by actually taking yourself and putting yourself into a position where you sit with God. Like you hear him directly. So you have to go and find that person that you want to hear from. Are you tracking? You got to go and find them if you want to hear from them. So my question then to you is, how do you think you hear from God? How do you think you hear from God? I'm going to give you the answer. It's the same way Jesus heard from God. Wait a second. You can hear from God the same way Jesus heard from God. You know what Jesus did? Jesus got into an undistracted place. Away from hurry, say hurry. 
away from crowds, say crowds, and away from noise, say noise. Because hurry, crowds, and noise are not of the devil, but one person said they actually are the devil. Because what hurry, crowds, and noise do is they seek to distract you and steal your life. There's this great scripture. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 11.3, and it says, Paul says, I'm afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve in his trickery, that your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. See, all the devil has to do to keep you from simply following Jesus is throw something in your way that's shiny. You know how you lure a fish? Well, you call it a lure. You just throw it in the water and it lures them. And then they bite it. See, the devil's he's fishing. He's trying to steal you from your destiny. He's trying to take you out of the game. Well, I don't know if I have a destiny. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans to prosper you. That sounds like a great destiny to me. See, the devil just wants you to drift. He wants you to wander. But you're called to wake up from the wandering. Say, I'm about to wake up. So you've got to get into an undistracted place, and you've got to get into a quiet conversation with God. We call that a checkpoint. We call that a checkpoint. It's a checkpoint. Amy and I started doing checkpoints like, what, 15-ish years ago? I could probably find the actual day. Um, we created the checkpoint because she wanted to kill me. And I wanted to kiss her. I never, ever have been mad at her a single time. Not once have I ever gotten mad at my wife. And that's called a liar. We created the checkpoint because we were having a hard time figuring out which way to go. She thought we were supposed to go over there, and I thought we were supposed to go over there, and really where we were supposed to go is wherever God wanted us to. And so we had to come up with a way to actually hear from God and then a way to actually talk about it, and it was called the checkpoint. And so we just created this little process and then eventually started helping people with that process, and then we started teaching the process, started doing it on a regular basis. And some people like the process because they like to go where God wants them to, and some people hate it because they don't. Because there's a way that seems right to a man, like, oh, that's the way I should go over there. It says in Scripture, that's the way of death. Doesn't that really tick you off that you think you could be going the right way? I thought I was going the right way, but then turns out I wasn't. Dang it. Like, we need to go the right way. But we don't know what the right way is because Jeremiah 17 says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. It's sick. Say, I got a sick heart. Say, that's why I got to invite Jesus to live in it. Because it's sick if I don't have Jesus in it. Okay, you don't have to say that. So, with a checkpoint, what you do is you're kind of like sitting there and you're asking the creator of all things, the one who created you and created your plan. You're asking him, hey God, um, I'm just checking in. And I'm just trying to make sure that I'm still on track here. Or you could say, like, hey, God, um, I'm just here just making sure I'm still going where you want me to go. 
I'm about to choose a college, and I would like to choose the right one, or I'm about, I'm fed up with my boss, like if you're Tara, you know, I'm fed up with my boss, and I'm about to go work for the school district. But you just got to check in and ask, you know, God, do I really need to stay here any longer? And she's been asking that question for about two years and just getting the most unfortunate answer, and that's yes. (laughs) I got to (laughs) stay. Oh, great. So there's a little, I, I write things down sometimes, and I call it pushback. Because your spirit wants to go where God wants to go, but your flesh does not want to go. It does not want to go. There's a certain part of you that does not want to follow God's plan. The reason why is because it's sometimes very uncomfortable. It's called faith. It's called stepping out in a direction that just doesn't quite always feel great. Ah, I want to do this, but it's not necessarily what I get to do. But... A quick reminder, Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25 say the exact same thing. They're twice in there. And if he puts it in there twice, I'm thinking he probably wants you to catch it. There's a way that seems right to a person, but its way is the end of destruction. It's so critical that you do not choose your own path. It's so critical that you don't choose your own road that you choose the road that he wants for you because down that road, you may not love your boss, but it's way less painful. It's way less hurtful. I know she loves me. 1 Corinthians 8, 2, it says this, the man who thinks he knows doesn't quite know as he ought to know. The man who thinks he knows where he's going, well, he doesn't actually quite know as much as he should know, which is that he is formed out of dirt. I always say this, but dirt can't be that cool. You're the clay. You're not the potter. You were formed, and you're supposed to be guided. Proverbs 14.8, it says, The wisdom of the wise keeps life on track, but the foolishness of fools will land them in a ditch. Getting stitches and ditches. So, you need wisdom. You actually need wisdom. Wisdom is a key component to staying on track. If you get in a vehicle without wisdom of how to operate it, guess where you land? With stitches and ditches. Because the wisdom of the wise keeps life on track, but the foolishness of fools will land you in a ditch. And don't be a... So then, the book of wisdom is called the book of Proverbs, and this dude named Solomon wrote it. Solomon was gifted with wisdom. Solomon's daddy was David. David slayed Goliath. David had blood on his hands, so David could not fully operate in the, in the, the house. He couldn't fully finish it. His son had to finish it. I may have a little bit of blood on my hands, and my, and my son may have to take over. But that's okay, because all I know... I'm warring it out. If we have to slay another Goliath, we're going to slay him. If we have to, you know, do whatever we have to do, we're just going to do it. Because God's plan's way bigger than my plan, right? 
It just is. So I need wisdom. And Proverbs is the book of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. I'm just saying I'm sitting in the building that we actually call the square. In fact, if you wanted to go to our website, you would go to the square dot today. That's our website. Just this afternoon, Facebook's going to be updated, and we're no longer to be called Inforum. This place will be called The Square. Share it with your friends. So wisdom shouts in the street, and she lifts her voice in the square. Wisdom is shouting. Wisdom is speaking. Fools don't listen. So Proverbs chapter 2 Verse two, it says, make your ear attentive to wisdom. If you couldn't hear me right now, if you couldn't hear me, how would you make your ear try to hear a little bit better? Show me. Okay, if you're, if you're just listening to this, I've got my hand to, to my ear and I'm straining to listen. You go ahead and do it if you're live in the room. Straining to listen. Oh, don't be a punk. Do it. All right, let's go. Like, look, look, make your ear listen to wisdom. Make it. If your mama's whispering and you can't hear her, tune in, right? Tune in. It says, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. If you seek for wisdom as if it's silver, and if you search for wisdom as if that wisdom is hidden treasure, he, wisdom, will guard your path and lead you on every good course. See, the way that you don't land on a good track is because you don't have wisdom. But God, through his spirit, actually says he wants to pour wisdom into you. He wants to pour wisdom in. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, Jesus Christ, wherever you're at, say cheese and rice. Just kidding. Say Jesus Christ. In whom, Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Because you could be looking for love in all the wrong places. You could be looking for love from another person's face the only place you're going to find true wisdom and true treasure and true anything is in him whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge you need wisdom because the wisdom of the wise keeps life on track but the foolishness of fools will land you in a ditch so you need wisdom so you got to ask and seek and knock there's a passage that says your father, he's a good father, and if you ask him for his Holy Spirit, he'll give it to you. So all you got to do is ask for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will literally enter into your heart and transform your mind and cause you to mix and mingle with the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you catch that? Imagine it. Somewhere in this room, if I told you somewhere in this room, there's $1 billion hidden in one of the pews you know what you would do? 
you would be a fool if you left this room. You should just search for it and flip every single table, rip into every single pew. If I told you there was a billion dollars, you would do it. In Jesus, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, they're all found in him. And all you have to do, it says, oh, in James, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, just ask God because he'll give it to you without, like, without even holding back. It's good to know the Bible, huh? Do you know that I've sat with the scripture nearly, nearly every day, but I would say at least two-thirds of the last 20 years. It's the only way that any of this stuff just shows up because I got to mix with the master. I got to mix and mingle so I, I can actually get it here. All right. Luke 6, 12. Man, I'm so like only halfway through this, so I'm just going to blitz it. All right. So back to where we were. You need wisdom. How do you get it? Well, you got to ask God for it. And the way you ask God for it is, is this, this thing. It's called talking to God. We also know that as prayer. Any of you ever said any prayers? I hope you have. Right? And so Jesus did this thing where he got away from the hurry, the crowds, and the noise. In Matthew 14, 23, after, it says this, after he sent the multitudes away, he got rid of the crowds, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray, and when it was evening, he was there alone. So what that says is you have to get with God, and you've got to be alone with him. If Jesus was alone with God, you've got to be alone with God. That's where one of our values of sitting with the Spirit shows up. You've got to sit with the Spirit every single day. You've got to get alone with God. I actually hear people tell me frequently, I can't, it's really hard for me to be alone and without people around me. If that's the case, and I know that this is going to sound like a lot of pushback, but if you don't like to be alone, that's part of your problem. If you don't like to be alone without God, that's part of your problem, or with God. <laughs> don't be alone without God, because that really sucks. Another thing, you know, I don't like to pray, meaning get alone, right, and spend time with God. Um, I, wait. Ask yourself this question. Don't raise your hand. Do you really enjoy praying? Oof. Oof. In the presence of the king is fullness of joy. And if you don't enjoy praying, you may not be entering into the presence of the king. And so I literally am asking you to test your prayer life to see if you enjoy being in his presence or not. And if you don't enjoy it, you pray until you do. You pray until you enter the joy. That's called the breaking point. You literally press, 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 press. This is not fun. This is miserable. I don't really like it. And I prayed long enough. And now what? I've got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? Yes. Now we're going to start into children's church. We sing these lullabies 
and forget when we get older. So there's another spot I could tell you many times where Jesus got alone with God. Luke 6, 12, it says, And it was at this time that he went off to the mountain, off the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. I've never done that. Never spent the entire night in prayer to God. It says, when day came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them. And, and then, they, then Jesus actually called them apostles. Okay, here's some observations from that. His decisions were important enough that, he, that the Son of God had to spend all the night praying to God. If the Son of God had to spend a lot of time praying to God, to hear from God, do you think prayer is serious to us? It is. So through spending time with God, you get called to where you're supposed to go, and you get shown how to call others. And I want to tell you, if you don't know where you're supposed to go with God, maybe there's a problem. Maybe. So we got to troubleshoot our problems. When you don't know where to go, then you've got to revert back to what you already know. And what you already know is that he's the only way. So you literally go into prayer and you fall on your knees. And I've got to tell you, I know it, I'm probably making it sound like I have all of my stuff together. And I can assure you I do not. But I can assure you that the, that the target that I'm laying out for myself right now is the same one I'm laying out for you. It's the same one I'm laying out to anyone listening to this, anywhere they're listening to it. We live in a wandering country with wandering people. So why should I then jump into the checkpoint process? Why should I actually use the checkpoint? Because in Habakkuk, say Habakkuk, it's one of the minor prophets. In Habakkuk 2.2 says, the Lord told me, the Lord said this to me, I'm going to give you a message in the form of a vision. Write it down so you could read it at a glance. You know, if you had a super long note, it's really difficult to read a book at a glance. But it's not so hard to read a quick note. So all we have to do, the whole checkpoint process, is just make it quick, make it snappy. You should be able to literally read this in two to three minutes. It shouldn't be a super long process. Do you know that if you're one degree off over the course of one foot, you end up 0 0.2 inches off? Not that far off, right? But if you're one degree off over the course of 100 yards, which is about how far I can shoot a bow and arrow, if you're one degree off over the course of one hundred yards, then you're 5.2 feet off, and you're not going to win any archery contests. If you're one degree off over the course of one mile, you are 92.5 feet off course. One, wait, one degree, just slightly off. If you are, and some of you are, are not, but I want to encourage you to be, 
if you're shooting for the stars, if you're aiming for the moon, if you have a vision that's been put in your heart from God and, it, and it's big, and I want to tell you, if you don't have a vision in your heart from God, get one and go for it. If you're shooting for the stars and you're one degree off, you're only 444 billion miles off course. One degree matters. And you know, the best time to check is very frequently if you're on or off course. If you wait and you get halfway to the stars before you check, then you're 220.5 billion miles off course already. But if you check just about every foot, you can easily mitigate the 0.2 inches that you're off course, right? You got to check frequently. And that's what this checkpoint's all about. So your top priorities in 2022 have to be keeping your priorities straight. Say, I'm going to keep my priorities straight. Good. Okay, here's the list that I want you to think about. Top priority, hands down, number one is the Spirit. Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33 is a verse that says, anybody? I want you to think on it. Matthew 6.33. Thank you. Sorry, I just dropped that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of the things you're worrying about are going to be handled for you. It doesn't say seek first your health. It doesn't say seek first food. It doesn't say seek first a great career. It doesn't say seek first good grades. It doesn't say seek first making my mom happy. It doesn't say any of that. It says seek first the kingdom, and all of these things are going to be handled for you. So, Top priority, number one, is always seeking first. We call that sitting with the Spirit. Number two is your health. Number three, I'm flipping my order a little bit, it's people, relationships. Number four, it's money. And number five, it's mission. Those are your priorities. And when you go through, and I'm giving you homework today, it's going to take you two hours to complete this homework. Two hours. Well, I don't know if I want to do my homework. Okay, be a degree off. Well, I don't know. I mean, it seems like a whole lot of effort. I would rather just come and sit in the green pews and listen to you talk for a minute and, and straighten everything out for me. I'm not God. Do you don't want to put two hours in? There's your problem. Well, I don't know that I actually will do this. I know. Trust me, I've been doing this for 20 years. I know. I'm going to look around this room. I guarantee you, prove me wrong, but I guarantee you 10% of you will do this. That's sad. Imagine if I filled this room with 200 people or 2,000 people. There's a way that seems right to a man. You know that the broad road and the, and the wide road is the road to destruction. But the narrow way, it's the way to life. If I don't tell you straight right now, then I'm just setting you up and just being like, hey, it's all good. You're all good. Just go ahead and walk the road of death. 
It's not all good. It's not all good. What is good is being on the narrow path. That's good. So you got to get your priorities straight. If you're putting work at the top priority, if you're putting money up there, if you're putting your basketball team or your boyfriend, you're out of whack. The only way is to get your priorities straight. And that's always to put God in his place as the king. It's to take care of your health. It's to do your best to do so. Now, there are sleepless nights, and it's not always like a formula. Well, I have to go to bed by 8. Whatever, go to bed by 8 if you have to, if you're tired. But take care of yourself. Take care of people around you. Money, yeah. If you have money, it's because God gave it to you. Give some back to him. That's a thing. If you want more money to show up in your life, it says in Malachi, then, then sow seeds. Help people. Keep it all for yourself. It's the fastest way to lose it. Sow seeds. So in your priority checks, and this system will become very easy to you eventually, you have to ask, where am I? Say, where am I? That's your location. Okay, you got to know your location. If you don't know your location, how are you ever going to set the right coordinates to get where you're called to go? You can't because you're lost because you don't know your location. So set your location. Where am I? First question. Oh, hey, um, I'm going to go over here and pray just a second. All right. Uh, you don't always have to pray on your knees either. But God, where am I? <laughs> oh, geez. Where am I right now? Where, where am I? And I feel a little confused. I feel a little lost. I feel a little broken. I feel a little sad. I, I don't really know where I am. Yep, yep, God, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh, okay. Um, so, uh, so, Lord, that whole thing that, that Amy and I were fighting about a couple days ago, <laughs> yeah, where am I? Am I wrong or is she wrong? Oh, yep, I know she's wrong. I, I knew it. I'll make sure and let her know, Lord. Okay, yes, Lord. Um, uh-huh. Yep, I'll let her know. Okay, thank you. Um, and, and the la Lord, what about this mission of, of helping people get to heaven? Where am I? Yes, Lord, I'm sorry. I have been pretty distracted. I do seek after my own desires way more than I should, and I look for comfort way more than you ask me to. Yes, Lord. I'll see people the way you see people. All right. That's where I am. Okay, so Lord, um, where am I going where am I going? Where do you want me to be? Where do you want me? How do you want me to get to know you? Lord, um, I'm wondering about that relationship because I really do need help. Um, so where am I going? How, how can I show her that I really do love her? Uh-huh, and yep, that that lost person who just can't seem, do you get what I'm saying here, guys?
Where am I? It's location. Where am I going? It's destination. What will stop me? It's your adversaries and your enemies and your laziness, which could be an enemy, and your distraction and your seeking of other comforts. And you're just flat out lack of care. Where am I? Where am I going? What will stop me? And then how will I get there? Like that's the plan. See, the plan is critical. So the Lord actually has a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got definiteness of purpose for you. Like actually, not just one time, like, hey, I'm going to sit with Jesus. He's going to tell me about the year, and then I know on day 363 where I'm going to be. No. When Jesus sat with the Lord and came off the mountain, he knew, I'm going to call that young man, call that young man. Okay, I got my boys with me. All right? And now we're just going to walk with definiteness of purpose. I'm going to do the very things he's showing me to do, and as I'm doing them, Everything's going to transform around me, and he'll make very clear to me what my next right step is. What you're not changing, you're choosing. I could say that nicely. Oh, what you're not changing, you're choosing. Or I could say, what you're not changing, the thing you're complaining about, you're choosing it. So quit blaming it on everybody else. What you're not changing, you're choosing. But all you need to do is start small. But start now. Don't start tomorrow. Because tomorrow, like Garth Brooks says, if tomorrow never comes, will she know how much I love her. Did I try in every way to show her every day that she's my only one? And if my time on earth were through, man, even Garth Brooks knows this stuff. This isn't rocket science. It's called labor of love. All right, here's your action item list. I really find it to be this simple, a checkpoint. You do it once a year. After you do your annual checkpoint, that should take you probably about an hour unless you've got a lot of details to work out with God. But take as much time as you need. And if you need assistance, you know how to get a hold of us. So these little, this list, right? Very quickly. Number one, quiet place away from hurry, crowds, and noise. In that space, pray and listen. Number two, break out the checkpoint, the annual one and eventually the monthly one. If you need to, you can go to monthlycheckpoint.com to download the annual plan. You could do that today. If you need to, you can go to neilandamy.com to get any of those resources as well. Number three, what you do is you gauge and you look at your location and all five tracks. Number four is you set the destinations, where it is that you're going. Number five is you identify the enemies that are going to be the roadblocks that stop you. 
Number six is you set guardrails. You put a plan in place for how you're actually going to get there. Number seven is you keep your plan in front of you every single day when you sit with the Spirit so you can see it at a glance. And number eight, each day, just take one simple step in that right direction. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for this room of people. Thank you that you have plans. You're drawing us in. You're, you're wanting us to be close. Help us. Help us know where to go. In Jesus' name, amen.